Hi, and welcome to the Circle of Film Podcast. I'm Ryan, and join me as we step into thinking outside the box in today's episode. What's this? What's this? It's supercalifragilisticexpialidocious. What is this? What is this? I got a lot of, I don't know, I've been trying to think of what this episode was going to be for a long, for a while now. I wasn't sure, I admit, you know, it was relatively easy to come up with all the other episodes I recorded before I left. The 2014 Circle of Film Awards, Top 1910s Born Actors, uh, Book Club Stats uh, worked out fairly easily. Um, the disobedience review was actually a really helpful one because I wasn't, I only had four episodes and, um, and then, you know, the episode I did with James about movie pass was fantastic to, to get that in, to help make, to help fill in the quota. So this episode, I ran through a lot of different options. I thought about reviewing show dogs, which wouldn't really be a review about show dogs, but I, I don't know how that, you know, it probably would have tangent, uh, been, uh, a tangent into more about like uh, controversy within film, and there's a scene for, for reference. There's a scene in Show Dogs where our main show dog, our main dog, the Rottweiler, voiced by Ludacris, is uh, realizes that he's got to have his testicles fondled uh, in, as as part of the process of being a show dog, and he is instructed to just ignore it and go to his happy place, uh, effectively. And that's kind of not what you want to teach your kids if someone's touching them inappropriately. But uh, that's not really... I don't know. There's, there's not a lot to that in the movie. It, it's its not played that way. But that's not what this episode's going to be about. Like I said, this is thinking outside of the box. And what really got me onto this topic and uh, is something that happened on Fantasy Movie League. So uh, if you've ever tested it out or, or given any thought to it, uh, the general idea of the game is uh, 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 an unseen force prices the top 15 grossing movies of the weekend and you have to figure out a way to make the most money with a limited amount, with a restricted amount of money and uh, a, a restricted amount of screens that you can use to air each movie. So... Uh, so, for example, of this current week that I'm looking at, you have the option to screen Deadpool 2, but it costs you $680, and you only have 1000 So there's literally no way to screen Deadpool 2 more than once. Uh, you have four different days for Solo, because it's a four-day weekend coming up, uh, and so on and so forth, until you get to the bottom of the list, which is I Feel Pretty. It's priced at only $8. And based on how much you think each movie is going to make, Whatever has the best ratio of actual money to Fantasy Movie League money gets a bonus $2 million per screen. So you want to figure out what's going to have the best value, and then based on what has the best value, build a lineup that earns you the most money. And recently, there have been a string of weeks that have had kind of a sort of a stasis in a, in a way, where it feels like the... This, the at least like the top thousand people or so are pretty much all on one or two different lineups by the end of the week. Uh, and, and a lot of the reasons are 
in for for at least this period of time feel like they're pricing problems and i don't know that the pricing team could have fixed those problems beforehand or should have even known those these these decisions were going to be a problem beforehand but ultimately they ended up being a problem and so people have been proposing changes and all this kind of stuff and most of the changes uh, have been restrictions on, uh, on, the, on the rules of the game. Things like you can only screen a movie so many times. Uh, four, maybe. So you, you couldn't play a movie six, seven, or eight times. You can only play it a maximum of four. Or alternatively, you have to play four different movies on every lineup. And uh, firstly, uh, this whole episode is not going to be about Fantasy Movie League, but... Um, just to kind of use this as the springboard for where the inspiration of the idea came from, I, I, I've been vocally against any of those decisions. Uh, one, because they restrict the, the, the creativity of the game itself, in my opinion. You, what I love about the game itself is that if you think a movie that can be played eight times should be played eight times you have to take that risk because if you're wrong you're generally really wrong uh and and that's that's the hitch right you have the option to play a movie eight times or you have an option to play a lineup where you don't even have the money to fill every single screen and both all having the availability to do all of those things is what I like about this game. I like that I have the option to make that those big mistakes because if you don't, then no one ever does. And I think that giving us you know, I, I think that within this within the game of Fantasy Movie League, there's so much more that the game could be doing within the current confines that they haven't ever done that they should try before we even try to limit the rules. And so how, so to relate this to something different, uh, to relate this to, to films as a whole and, and, and film and the film industry and movies um, separate from Fantasy Movie League is that, uh, you know, there have been a lot of movies lately that feel like they're challenging what we know to be true about the film industry and about making movies in general. And... Uh, you know, one of those is in Avengers Infinity War. Who would have thought 10 years ago, even after the first Iron Man came out, who would have thought a movie on this scale was even possible? You know, we've seen huge movies before, like Titanic. Uh, you know, we were on the verge of something like Avatar 10 years ago. And yet... You know, Avengers Infinity War takes a movie that maybe doesn't work perfectly. Uh, you know, I have, obviously I have my own feelings about the movie. And I think it's fine at best. But the scale, you know, it's on a huge scale, like the old epics, uh, you know, of the, of the 30s and 40s. And it blows that complete, those, blows them completely out of the water. It, it's, it's on a scale here to you know, undreamt of, and it, it makes a movie like Doctor Strange or Ant-Man, you know, it doesn't even feel like it's in the same world half the time, and that's, you know, for, for all the flack I give the movie, that's an incredible step, 
you know, you know, we 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 joke about how Avengers is basically just a season finale, and it is. It, it 100% is, but it still feels like a game changer. You know, it is rewriting the way we think about movies in a very important way. Uh, if if any of these other Marvel, uh, you know, cinematic universes ever com- manifest in a way that that works. Uh, you know, we might be sit in a situation where this is more common, where we do get, you know, um, uh, some sort of Men in Black, Twenty Two Jump Street crossover, or we could see, uh, I don't know, um, I, I don't have another good example, but you know, we could see like Godzilla versus King versus Kong versus. King Ghidra versus uh, Mothra versus, I don't know, other giant monster movies. And that's exciting. Uh, you know, you, you you want spectacle in your movie. Some of, some of your movies. But, the, the, you know, obviously the worry is that we'll, we'll run out of, uh, you know, every weekend will just be another big movie. And then the next weekend will be another big movie. And we won't ever get sort of these smaller, more interesting, generally more interesting uh, dramas, complex comedies, uh, you know, sci-fi think pieces. And, you know, we, we need more ex machinas and we need more movies like like A Disobedience or like A Lady Bird or like a Get Out. You know, how are those going to live and survive in a world where... You know, every month there's a new Infinity War type movie. Every month there's a Solo, there's a Star Wars, there's a Jurassic World, there's a Avatar, there's an Incredibles 2. You know, all these movies that are produced for so much money and they make so much money. And we we are hopefully not ever going to fully bend to that direction. And I, I don't know if, if we will. I, I It remains to be seen. Uh... You know, if you know if the next four Avatar movies are actually really successful and, and really well received, uh, you know, what's the sky's the limit at that point? But there's something else happening outside of Infinity War uh, that that I also think is really playing outside of uh, the box, and it's a short film I watched uh, that came out in 2014 that gave, gave me, that was the second aspect of, of why I came up with this idea for this episode. It's called Possibilia, and it's absolutely fantastic. Uh, it's a really good movie, and it features the acting talents of Alex Karpovsky, who you may know from Girls. He was the sort of taller, lanky guy that wasn't Adam Driver. He was also in Inside Lewin Davis, briefly. Uh, And he and his girlfriend in the film are... uh, They start... It's like a six-minute long movie. They start conversing, and ultimately they end up breaking up. And then the movie splits into two. And you, as the viewer, can control what, which outlet, or which, which, which route you take from that point. 
and then it splits again into four, and then it splits again into, and then it splits again into 16, and then it splits again into 32. And I think it maxes out at 32. You end up with 32 uh, op, you know, potential branches for this timeline. And in each one, you can kind of see the others in the background, uh, so they kind of overlay. In each one, they're kind of just saying the same thing. It's basically the same conversation, but it's happening in different ways. It's happening with different dynamics. Uh, and and it's, it's fascinating. And then we hit a peak about, you know, two-thirds of the way through the movie. And then from 32, we end up with 16. Things start to combine. Things start to close up. We get to 8. We get to 4. We get to 2. We get back to 1. And they all resolve back at one point. And then there's a moment, and then the movie repeats on itself. Now, VR has has made a lot of strides and has become, you know, it, it's a big deal moving forward. Um, we also have, you know, there was um, some sort of, I, I heard a rumor news about a movie that would let you choose uh the, the the like a choose your own adventure movie which could be interesting I, I don't know but there's there's such an interesting technique at work here which is how how real is a movie how how true is a movie when its its result is not finite you know, you think back all the way back to something like Clue, which had three different endings. And you wonder, well, which ending do you ascribe to? And if you believe one over the others, then are the other endings part of the movie that you watch? Not necessarily. And if other movies did something like that, if infinity, if infinity War had two endings, right, where one ending has spoilers for Infinity War, Thanos snapping his fingers and wiping out half the universe, the other ending has Thor killing Thanos and stopping him from doing that. Which one's real? And what if next year there's two Avengers movies, one that continues from the point where he snaps his fingers, and another where he can where we continue from the point where Thanos is dead. How would that work? Could that work? Could anything remotely similar to that work? And I think Possibilia opens up a lot of possibilities for for different avenues for film to take and different mediums for it to br- cross over into. Because you don't, you know, you could end up with a film where the screen is split into two. And I kind of, I mean, I wasn't really exactly on this wavelength, but like something where you can see, uh, you know, they did it in, um, in Rick and Morty, in an episode of Rick and Morty they have diverging timelines where the screen split and splits into two and then four and then eight and then so forth. And uh, you see that all, you know, all these different av- outlets, I keep saying outlets, it's not really the word I'm looking for, all these different uh, options that might have happened. And, 
how the, the idea there was to get everything back into sync. That was the way to fix that problem. And in Possibilia, you know, that's kind of what happens. Everything kind of comes back into sync. And we go from 1 up to 32 and, the, and then back to, to one, that one storyline again. And I think part of what the movie is, is hinting at is that regardless of what happened, you know, the variety of things that could happen, regardless of the paths you might take, you're going to end up at the same place. And I, I, again, you know, whether or not you believe that happens in real life, you know, it's up to you. But in movies, maybe it does. You know, Doctor Strange in Infinity War tells us, you know, he saw 14 million op, uh, out, uh, uh, futures and only one where they win. We don't know what takes place to make that happen yet. Uh, there's a lot of a lot of steps to be had to get us to that point, at least especially for me to get myself to the mindset that the current trajectory is the only way they could win. But, um, you know, maybe... But the, the idea that there are 14 million other ways where it always ends up with them losing, I, I buy that. Based on what I saw, I buy that. I think it's very unlikely that they win, any no matter what happens. And if you look at real life, um, I think it's easy to say, well, if this one or these this one thing or these two things had been different, then the entire trajectory course of history would be different. But I also feel like, well, if they had been different, something else would have happened to take their place that we don't know. And uh, maybe we're not on the exact same trajectory as we were, but that doesn't mean we would be on a completely different trajectory. Uh, and, and I don't know. There definitely, I have definitely some exceptions to that that I, I you know, that's not something I'm going to get into. But speaking of film and the way films are presented... You know, when you, I've seen some of these VR films where you can like turn around and, and look through throughout the scene. Uh, you know, it's like a 360 VR cam, and that's, I, I don't know how how successful that could ever be in a theater. It couldn't work, not in a conventional theater anyway. Uh, you know, maybe in like a 360 screen degree screen. Uh, which exists, you know, I, I was at one in Disney World 15 years ago, where, you know, you get to fly with geese, and uh, they're all around you, because there's screens in a perfect circle around you, you see them in front of you, you see them behind you, they're on your sides, but that's not really, are you just, like, are you going to have, like, a two and a half hour movie where you have to stand and, like, cont- continuously turn around to to absorb all of the information where you have to see it two, three, four times to catch everything. Where two people watching it standing back to back could have entirely different experiences. That's counterintuitive to the movie going experience. It's a collective shared thing. Something that you experience with everyone else that's in the theater with you. Yeah, you're still going to catch stuff that your best friend didn't. Yeah, you're going to focus on things in some scenes that they don't, but you're still effectively looking at the same picture. And 
anything that diverts from that thesis uh, is is changing the game, is really pushing film in a direction that it was not necessarily meant to go. And I don't say that as if to say don't do that. I think that that's fantastic. I, I'm all for testing these things out because... Like I said, we got Avengers Infinity War, and before the first Iron Man comes out, no one would have thought it could work, you know, no one would have thought we could get to that point, but we have, and now, you know, something like a choose-your-own-adventure movie, I don't think that could work in a movie, I, I feel like that wouldn't work at all, but maybe it could, you know, test it out on, you know, small things, uh, you know, you can do it on YouTube videos, you know, sort of a situation. But for me, you know, something like that, I my biggest fear would be, you know, you think about, like, video games where you can choose the dialogue. Uh, I'm reminded of a video game uh, for the GameCube, this is old, called Custom Robo, where there's a point in the story of that game where the mayor, I think, of the little town you live in is asking you these questions. And it's like, what's outside, you know, how, what, what's the shape of the world? Is it flat? Is it round? Uh, you know, and, and what's outside of the, the dome over us? Is it a wasteland? Is it, there's just more stuff? Is it this, that, the other? Or is it like, there's nothing, there's nothing outside the dome. And whatever you answer, it doesn't matter. Because if you answer the world's flat, then the response from the NPC is, well, yes, you were taught to believe that. And if you answered the world is round, then the response is, why would you say that? You've been, you've been taught your whole life that it's flat. And ultimately, it doesn't matter what you say. You learn that the world has been always believed to be flat, but that the truth is that it's not in, in this game. And my fear with films that try to give you alternatives, try to show you diverging paths, try to show you choose your own adventures, try to give you choices, is that they will always end up at the same place. And I think that is, I think that is not, like, that's operating inside the box, right? That is saying, look, when you watch a movie, it only can go one place because that's where it's going. You know, whether or not you believe that a movie is leading you down one path or another, it is 100% every single time going to end up exactly where it ends up. You can watch Infinity War a million times, Thanos will always snap his fingers, right? But if you have a movie where you can change the the, the way we get to the ending, then you would have to have multiple endings, wouldn't you? Otherwise, what's the point? Why give us that choice if it's ultimately inconsequential? I, I don't think, in my opinion, I don't feel like the journey should be the whole point. You know, obviously the journey is important. It makes sense, you know, it, it's, you know, it's a big component of a story, but the destination is also a big point, part of the story, and two different journeys do not end up at the same destination. If 
James Franco's character in 127 Hours takes a different route through the cliffs, through the mountains, uh, probably doesn't end up in the position he ends up in. I don't know how. You know, that was such a specific and absolute, you know, you know, finite ending. And if he's not any, you know, if he goes left instead of right when he's hike, you know, when he's climbing through these mountains, then he doesn't even end up close to that place where that happens. And if he does fall down a crack, if he does fall, he's probably not going to get trapped under the same rock. And if he does get trapped under the rock, it's probably not going to be the same arm or an arm. It might be a leg. It might be his head. It might he just might die? You know, and depending on how he's trapped, he might not be able to save. You know, like there's so many permutations, there's so many options and, and out, out avenues and routes that something like that could take. And for, to me, I don't feel like I, I feel like what we will what we will get is it all ends up the same way. If it's a romantic comedy, they end up together. You know, whether. We get to choose that this guy is the biggest dick in the world, or that this girl sleeps with every guy she meets, or that uh, there's a third party who who injects themselves into their relationship, or uh, you know we make it so that the the one of them die. I don't know. One of them dies. I, you know whatever the furthest possible. Out, outcome could possibly be the movie will find a way to wrap things up in a nice, t- nice tidy bow every single time in the exact same way because I think that if it doesn't it, it would be too much of a departure and I don't say that as someone who thinks that it should end up this way I say that as someone who thinks that it will only end up that way and that's disappointing right we've you know as someone who's seen at this point, 6,394 individual films. I've seen a lot of the same thing. I've seen a lot of movies that I could, that I, I consider to be, you know, indistinguishable from each other. And I have seen a lot of films that, even while great films, are the same. You know, just look at, there's 19, 18, 19 Marvel movies. They're not identical, but they are very similar. All of them. You have a main character who makes a lot of quips. You have a villain who generally is basically the main character but evil. You have big CGI fights. You have sky beams. Sky beams. You have a whore, a faceless horde of enemies to, to mow down. You know, how many times have we seen those things in movies? You have a rom-com where the couple don't like each other and hate each other at first and grow to love each other and now they're married. Done. How many times have we seen that movie? too many how many movies have been remade within like the this year alone you have death wish you have overboard you know like that it's already more more than it should be already way more than it should be uh you have sequels that are coming out all the time deadpool uh solo uh infinity war right uh, you have all of these different films that we see repeated again and again and again we see the same story adapted over and over again how many times have we seen romeo and juliet how many times have we seen hamlet how many times have we seen a christmas carol and yet 
we still keep, you know, we're getting more sequels. We're getting more remakes. We're getting Ocean's 8. We're getting Incredibles 2. We're getting Mary Poppins Returns. Mowgli is coming out this year, and we just had a remake of The Jungle Book, which was a remake of an animated film, which was an... Like... It's incessant how often we see the same story, how many times the same characters will do the same things again and again and again and again. And I'm not saying it's always a bad thing. There are some incredible, absolutely breathtaking series of films. The Before Trilogy from Richard Linklater is is heartbreaking. The new like trilogy of Planet of the Apes movies, in my opinion, is fabulous. Is absolutely fabulous. But you you can't. The problem is is that there's so much reliance on these these this repetitious outcome. These you know this constant remaking and constant retooling of all these films and all these ideas and all these you know decisions that happen again and again and again and again and again you know we started out with twilight which was made into five movies which spawned 50 shades of gray which was three movies which now has spawned book club which is at least one movie why? Why? Show dogs is basically miscongeniality, but with dogs. It's the same plot. I, I just, I don't know why, when there are so many options, we can't explore them. And, you know, think of it, you know, if, if you presented a movie that's already been out, if you present Overboard as say, a choose-your-own-adventure movie, and you, you, you know, if you make a movie, a choose-your-own-adventure movie, you have to film all these other scenes, all these divergent scenes that might have happened, that could happen, that may happen, that you might have to see, then all of a sudden, your screenplay becomes incredibly chaotic, firstly, but you're you're testing out like okay well in this instance i could either have our character punch another character in the face because she's upset or i could have her like forgive or i could have her you know this that and the other and the best thing about this what the good with the good that comes from this is that you would end up with um a film where you have to consider something besides the obvious. And and that is something that I hope translates, is that when you have these tropes, these cliches, you know, we're forced to see them. We're forced to know that they're coming and be resigned to that fate. But if you can choose diverging paths, whether or not it's our choice, whether it's the, you know, it's it's where we're looking on the screen, whether it's what we're, I don't know, telling it with a little app on our phone, or however it all works out, 
you know, we can avoid those or, or we can choose the ones we want to happen or we can watch something that maybe we haven't seen before. And I think there's so, we're so far removed from feeling like that's possible. I, I think as much as each year in film presents presumably something new and exciting and different, a lot of the times it's not as new and as exciting and as different as we like to think it is. You know, yeah, I love Lady Bird. I love Dunkirk. I love A Ghost Story and The Big Sick and Get Out and The Shape of Water and Blade Runner 2049. These are all fantastic movies. But how many of them are really things we've absolutely never seen before? We've seen rom-coms. That's the big sick. We've seen comedies with with mothers and daughters. That's Lady Bird being very reductive. But we've seen war movies, Dunkirk. We've seen, uh, you know, we've seen horrors. We've seen racially motivated horrors. We've seen comedy horrors, however you want to categorize Get Out. We've seen movies like this before. We've seen human fish-person relationships. We have seen Cold War spy movies. We have seen Blade Runner. You know, we have the prequel to 2049 in the first Blade Runner movie. We've seen variations of all of these movies. Yes, they are all changing something, but they're not changing everything. When was the last movie that didn't play by any pre-established rules that exist in film? Probably, I don't know, The Jazz Singer? (laughs) You know, Snow White, The Seven Dwarves? Uh, There aren't many. And I think that they're fewer and further between because we've found ourselves in this rut creatively as a format where we're restricted by the limitations of films you know how many three four hour movies are coming out in the theater anymore why it's because audiences refuse to watch movies that long which is stupid like If a story can be told in 90 minutes and a different story takes 120 and a different story takes 150, then there are definitely stories that take 200 minutes, 250. I I think we've become so encased in familiarity that a lot of people don't even want the differences. A lot of people want the cliches because they watch a movie like, I don't know, generic rom-com anything. They watch a movie like Book Club and if it doesn't end up with everybody happy at the end, if the four women in the movie aren't different, uh, don't have different relationship statuses, if the four people, you know, you know, if those things aren't the case, then, like, why are they, they wouldn't want to watch it anyway. You watch a movie like The Strangers, Pray at Night, and if, if there isn't just, you know, if it doesn't 
if if half the people don't die, if we don't have a final girl, if we don't this, that, the other, then what's the point? You know, I don't un- I don't get it. I don't want those things. You know, I've seen more than enough movie my I mean, more than enough more more than my fair share of final girl movies and rom coms that end up well and end up perfectly. And I think a lot of people. You hear all the time, like, Hollywood doesn't have any fresh, original ideas. Uh, I, I think that's bullshit, but <laughs> I, I just... I do. And, you know... Instead, but, but like, for the, we still get movies like Tomb Raider, which is an adaptation, and a remake. We get the Maze Runner, Maze Runner The Death Cure, which is a sequel. We get A Wrinkle in Time, which is an adaptation. Uh, we get... Well, over and over and over again. Pacific Rim Uprising, which was a sequel. Um, Rampage, which was an adaptation. And Ready Player One, which was an adaptation. And Peter Rabbit, which is an adaptation. And so on and so forth. And, and you know, Love, Simon was an adaptation. And Annihilation was an adaptation. And it just, it's endless and, and exhausting and frustrating and irritating that all of these movies keep coming out and their sequels and their remakes and they're they're pigeonholed because they're they lack creative format they don't think outside the box if you know the 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 broad in the broadest sense and, and even this might be uh more restrictive than is the truth a film is supposed to is is can be absolutely any length of time from 10 seconds to 10 hours it is something that has a at least a visual component not necessarily an audio component and it is something that gives you an experience it doesn't even have to have a story it doesn't even have to you know take you anywhere it doesn't have to make you laugh it doesn't have to make you cry it doesn't have to scare you it has to give you an experience and a successful film does that in the time allotted no more no less it gives you you know the most successful films are the perfect length of time to give you the perfect experience that they set out to do in the first place you know that's why I don't you know that's why I, I put so much give so much credit to short films that are successful because they have so much less time to work with. That's why, you know, I don't feel there's any difference between animated, documentary, foreign language. They're all ascri- striving to be the same thing. They're all striving to tell to give its viewers a specific experience within their allotted runtime. And outside of that. Anything goes. Length, genre, sound, color. We've seen so many varieties of film in in our lives. And if if that's it, like if we never see anything new again, maybe things will be fine, but don't you just want something different? 
Isn't that always, always what we want in our next movie is something different, something unique, something we've never seen before? And, and you know, we get these little pieces. We get these little nuggets along the way. You know, you can point to these movies like, uh, you know, like Dunkirk, which is a war movie and it is a World War II movie. And we've seen so many of those, but it does it in a different way. Which isn't, you know, I, I wouldn't necessarily call it out of the box, but it gets to the edge. Something like The Big Sick is is unique enough, right? It, it's not a wholly unique property, uh, but it is unique enough. It, it's different enough. Something like Get Out is different enough. And, you know, I, I think we need more. You know, I, I think we need to take those films and figure out a way to go even further. Figure out a way to take a whole nother step outside of what they did and what they created. And, I don't know, I, I don't know what that would look like. I don't have any idea what that would look like. I guess, at the end of the day, the biggest problem is that too many movies don't succeed in giving us the experience we're looking for. And and maybe that's not quite as true for other people as it is for me. You know, most people, when they go to a movie, they have an expectation. They've seen the trailer. They read the plot summary. They know who's in it. They know who directed it. They know, maybe they even they know the outcome. They know the spoilers. You go into a movie like Avengers Infinity War expecting spectacle. You expect a lot of quips. You expect big action scenes and and huge and a huge number of characters. You go into a movie like Deadpool 2. You expect raunchy comedy. You expect breaking the fourth wall. You expect bloody head chop, heads being chopped off. And you get that. You know, you go in with an expectation, and generally, your lowest expectations are met. You go into a Star Wars movie, you expect a space opera, you expect sci-fi, adventure, fantasy, at the very least, you know. You may not be happy with what the result, but you got it. Even if you don't like the direction it went, you still got what you thought was going to happen. And it's movies that are capable of subverting those expectations entirely. Movies that um, maybe don't deceive, but at least uh, go beyond. Which succeed most of all, in my opinion. You know, think of it like... Think if... if uh, the easiest analogy that comes to mind is if the Lord of the Rings was one movie, right? One eight-hour, nine-hour, ten-hour movie, 12-hour movie. <laughs> if it was one movie, but you went in expecting it to just finish at the Battle of Helm's Deep, 
So basically the end of two towers. And then you look at your watch and you realize you still have three and a half hours of movie left. How, you know, how incredible would that be? How amazing is that feeling that everything you expected already happened and you still have a third of the movie to go? There are still directions and outcomes that have completely escaped your ability to predict them. That just sounds incredible. Like that whole feeling. With a movie like Infinity War, um, you go in expecting fighting, you know, expecting to see the Avengers fight Thanos. And you expect to see the Avengers defeated, maybe. Definitely not succeed completely. We all knew this was a part one, basically, but. What if there was like another hour at the end of Avengers Infinity War? You know, it was, and it was just Thanos, right? Like it's just Thanos or something. You know, even if it's not something that we want, even if it's not something that we have any expectations or desires for, just the fact that we'd be getting something, uh, something different, something new, something unexpected. I, I think that's fascinating. Or, say, something like The Big Sick. Imagine if uh, that movie was another half hour. A movie, a rom-com, where the couple gets together, and then there's another half hour of the movie. What would that even look like? When was the last time that ever happened? I, I don't know. I, I, you know, I'm just... I, I, I'm just guessing. I'm hy- I'm, I don't know. It's a, it's a, it's a question. It's an open-ended question. Ultimately, I, what I'm getting at is there are a lot of movies that come out every year, and. A hefty portion of those movies are ignored. Uh, they are disregarded. They de- they don't get awards, love. They they don't make their way onto top ten lists at the end of the year. They don't get rewatched, uh, even on some, even on Netflix. They are passed over, and uh, they only serve as brief uh brief money making ventures for maybe one two three weekends at most and even the ones that are financially successful are detrimental to the cinematic landscape even the films like you know, even the horror movies that are made for three million dollars and debuted at like fifteen opening weekend. You know, great, you made money, and you are killing the film industry in the process. You know, we see that time and time again, every year. 
every month, sometimes weeks at a time, over and over and over again. It is not, in my opinion, an exaggeration to say that the fact that this year I have the ratio, like every good, for one, every one good film I've seen at least three bad films released this year, like that's, you know, that's not, even if someone disagrees with half of my ratings, I, I can't imagine anyone thinking that looking at the slate of films I've seen from this year and saying there's more good than bad on this. There's no chance. I, I don't believe I, I wouldn't buy it. And that's depressing. That's so depressing. As someone who loves movies, as someone who loves, loves, loves movies, has spent so very much of their time watching them, it's absolutely soul-crushing. Completely soul-crushing. And it's not easy to make a good movie. I don't think that it should be like every week we have a new best picture contender. That's that's ludicrous, right? But there has to be some some sort of middle ground, right? If even half of these movies that I think are bad that came out this year didn't exist, and for every five of them we had a good movie, right? Just running those numbers, we would have 27 bad movies and 20 good movies. Uh, that's so close. I mean, I'll take it. I would take that, right? I would that would be so much better. And it's just a it's it's painful. And it's because we have so little creativity. And when we do see it, most a lot of the time it's it's not financially benevolent. It's not financially successful. We don't pay the money to support those decisions, those those risks that are being taken, and uh, we don't. So I mean, in that sense, we would only have ourselves to blame. I don't know. I don't know. I didn't, uh, you know, con you know, confession. I didn't like have an end goal for this episode. I didn't know where I was going. I didn't know where it was leading. And uh, I still, I'm not sure where it's gone. But I know when I'm when I write, when I write a story, I generally don't know what the ending is when I start it. I don't know all the characters yet. I don't know what's going to happen to them. I don't know who the good guys are. I don't know who the bad guys are. That happens a lot when I'm writing. Sometimes I don't even know what the story's about until I'm partway through it. And I think that's not usually the case with movies. You you don't really start a movie without a script. You don't really, you know, you cast it. You, 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 you hire all this crew. And, you know, there's no surprises. There's generally not many surprises after that. Yeah, you get a few improvised lines, like, I know, and that becomes its own, helps the movie become its own and become special and unique and interesting, but it's still going to end the same way. 
right? They still get together at the end. And I wish... I wish there were more risks being taken. That's all. I just... That's, that's kind of, I guess, the bottom line. I wish more risks were taken. You know, can you imagine going into a movie that cost $200 million not knowing the ending when you start filming it? It sounds insane, right? Sounds absolutely ridiculous. You know, really, honestly, sounds like you're going to be wasting and losing a lot of money, <laughs> to be fair. But maybe it, it, maybe it, maybe the result is worth it. Because guaranteed, whatever that movie becomes, you weren't going to get there uh, planning it out. Right? Uh, how could you? It's a completely different process. So, to all this, I guess, to sum up, to, let's see, to all this I say, movies don't take as many risks as they used to. They are far more often cash grabs than artistic integrity and quality. And I think we are at the precipice of a point where we could be lost to that other alternative for quite some time. And that's scary. That's, t that's a very scary notion. And I hope that doesn't happen. I hope the re rest of this year, I hope the, in the rest of 2018 absolutely shits all over this episode. Like, it makes it seem almost silly in, in hindsight. I would love that. Nothing would make me happier. But right now, I, I don't feel like that's the case. Um, so we'll see. We'll see. There's a lot of time left, obviously. We still have seven whole months of the year left to go. And anything could happen. But we're still very far removed from anything as, as revolutionary as, you know, a trip to the moon or uh, the Wizard of Oz, even. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. That's it. I don't know. I, I rambled for a while. Uh, maybe I said something fascinating that, that perked your interest. Maybe not. I don't know. Uh, but that's that's it. I, I'm used up. This is the last pre-recorded episode that I, I'm releasing while I'm away. So this is coming out Wednesday, uh, the 7th, more than two weeks out from when I recorded it. Nope, Wednesday is the 6th, not the 7th. Friday, the 8th, will be a brand new episode that I will have recorded after returning home from Brazil. Keep your eyes open for that. Uh, I think it'll be likely uh, a review episode for Solo, but I'm not 100% sure of that because it's so far away. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, apologies if it, it was kind of droning and, and rambly in not the best way. Uh, if you want to get in touch with me, 
Email, circleoffilm at gmail.com. Twitter, at circleoffilm. If you want to support the show, circleoffilm, uh, patreon.com slash circleoffilm. It's as little as eight cents an episode. And if you want to check out previous episodes, uh, previous lists, Circle of Film Awards, anything like that, head over to circleoffilm.com. And as always, have a week. So long, farewell, I'll be the same night. I know she'll never leave me, even as she fades from view. So long, farewell, I'll be the same adieu. In the name of love, one night in the name of love. So long, farewell, oh, I'll be the same. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. So long.